0: Welcome to Freedom Broadcasters Live. I'm, I'm joined today with Grace Hassan, Quantum Nurse Podcast, Hartman Schumacher, Go Your Own Pat Podcast. And before I introduce our guest, he's been previously on. We had a type, Claim Your Strawman on my own show. It was episode 153. It was around April. And he was also on my own show, just the two of us, episode 148, dealing with deck collections. So if you enjoy what you're hearing today, make sure to go back to them. And also check out my friend's podcast because you'll be able to find it and there's a different number. My guest, ex-Royal Navy, turned professional fighter. Then he had his own martial arts studio for about 30 years. Last time I was talking to me, he was planning on handing it over to his children. So I'm assuming that's done because, you know, being a professional fighter, martial arts, he had a lot of income, done a lot of property, and in the space of a week, one million was wiped out from him, as well as his own personal home, which I can relate to because I know what that's like. So I think with the strength that he's got, Navy background, professional fighter, and martial arts, he's basically turned his attention to fight the
1: bad boys out there. So please welcome Peter Wilson. Thank you very much. Nice, good welcome. Nice, good introduction. <laughs> so basically
0: what we're going to discuss today is about private trusts pmas private member associations and how you can stop paying income tax so i suppose peter and welcome i i see uh, john's after joining us as well so peter i suppose you might as well just get the ball rolling and start talking about trust because it's something that i've delved into a lot myself i've looked into it i've even had a guest on my crypto show which i put on a few of the others but it was only working for america not for the rest of uh, the world and i'm trying to figure it out so you might give us what's what's the best way what's the trust explain mm-hmm. to people
1: okay well i mean they, trusts have been around for a very very long time uh now we're actually you know talking about private trusts or i am anyway but you know there's many many trusts that you can actually have for various different things and Just because we're concentrating on private trust doesn't mean that the others have not got good uses, you know, for certain things. For instance, you know, if you have a bear trust and then, you you know, you've got children that are just not hitting that uh, 18 mark and then they have some kind of benefit coming to them through a trust itself or through a will or something along those lines. Then you want to look after them until they've hit that age so that they can, you know, come into uh, their, their inheritance or whatever it is that they're going to be getting at that age, you know, and there's also discretionary trusts and private business trusts, as well as like discretionary business trusts. And it, it, there's a lot of different ones that they're, like knocking around, but all of them, all of them are what they call a statutory trust. Now, what that means is it's actually registered with the government so that it comes under all of the government scrutiny, all of the government's rules and regulations, and we all know how great all of them are, um, including all of the tax events that it could be involved in as well. That is why we concentrate on the private side. So you move into the private side, you're creating these private trusts in the private realm. So a lot of people still don't understand that we have a public realm and a private realm, doesn't matter how you're actually dealing in it business wise or trusts so that's what we're actually concentrating ourselves on now is on the private side now what we're dealing with is what we call I'm trying to get the words right that that I don't I don't like confusing people it is a common law private trust because we're under the common law jurisdiction so england for instance or the united kingdom and the commonwealth is under uh, the, the common law jurisdiction Whereas if you have other countries such as like Italy and France, a lot of the other European countries, Spain as well, they're actually under a Roman civil law. So it's different to, um, the, yeah, the, you know, the, to the, the common say. law jurisdiction. Yeah. So you have to look at, you know, the laws that you're actually dealing with. And I'm not, not, not just talking about the acts and statutes, which are just rules, right? But, like you know, like the common law jurisdiction or the, the, the civil law jurisdiction. So let's wind it back, as I was saying, onto uh, the, the the uk side because that's really predominantly where or, or, or at least Commonwealth anyway. The trusts really started coming into into their like forte if you look back at say medieval times, so you had the king say in England and he was deciding he was going to send all of his uh, knights off or in his landed gentry off. Uh, who would all owe allegiance, you know, to uh, to the king um, for uh, giving him the land. So he, they would, like, you know, tie to him. So they would have their own little army and they would have to go off to fight a war or go on a crusade. And obviously they're leaving all the land, they're leaving their castles or their homes or whatever it is, you know. Um, and what they would do generally is they would put what they called a trustee, you know, or someone in charge of the home. Okay, while they were away. So a lot of times, you know, they never, ever did come back. But when they were coming back, what they were finding is whoever was looking after the home for them actually quite enjoyed it and wanted to stay and keep it. Therefore, they wouldn't return the property. Now, the begrudged knight would go and see the king and they'd be looking for remedy. Now, the thing is, all you could do right under The common law was use the common law which is nine tenths of the law like uh, possession is nine tenths of the law now the other person was in possession of the home therefore the law was siding with the the one in possession rather than who had went off to fight the war and they were losing their property so and then sometimes even the king would actually go in and take the land All right. While they were away. So he would confiscate their land, saying that he didn't expect them to come back and they were still going to be losing the land. So either way, they were ending up, like, you know, with the wrong end of the stick. So what they started to do was then use the church. Now, this was a great way of having a trustee that you could trust. Right. And I'm not saying that sort of like, you know, church people can be trusted. However, in that day and age. These people that were living in the church or living in the uh, monasteries, whatever it would be, uh, 99% of them anyway, had taken an an oath of poverty. So they weren't allowed to actually own property anyway. So it was a safe bet that they wouldn't try and confiscate the property. They wouldn't try and steal the property while these knights or lords or whatever it is that were away serving the king, you know, you know, so they wouldn't steal their land. So then the church would be the trustee to look after the property. And then when the um, the, the, the knights were coming back and it was all safe and it would get handed back and they would keep the king who could not go against the church because then he would be going against God. It would be seen. Uh, he would also leave the, the, uh, the land alone as well. Leave it in the trust. Um, now, obviously, you know. We don't really sort of like run off like with our swords and shields that much anymore, but we still want to protect our property uh and now if you take it like forward like you know from the nights there but let's go into uh not a hundred percent today but let's just talk about j d rockefeller so you know obviously a very very wealthy guy and he's put his family first and his family you know are uh well looked after and he had a lot of trusts he had a lot of private trusts now the reason why he wanted them to be private because he didn't want to know he didn't want anyone to know who was going to be his beneficiaries who he was leaving his wealth to because the thing is with the wealth this is any anyone that wants to attack you can attack your assets if they can find out what it is that you own but, you know, that thing that J.D. Rockefeller is famous for saying as well is own nothing but control everything. So he didn't have anything in his name. He didn't own everything, but he controlled everything. And this is what he was passing on to his beneficiaries. We didn't know who, you know, what his real wealth was worth. They say, oh, he was worth this millions, he was worth that millions. But in reality, that nobody actually can say because it was all private they didn't know what his real wealth was and they didn't know who the beneficiaries were so the reason why we're looking more about like you know being private using private trusts uh, and other like you know commercial private sides as well is because everyone is so gladly and easily given up this thought of privacy whereas like you know they, they invite things even into the home Right. Like things like these Alexa and things and they're given away like literally all of the privacy. Right. All of that. They're getting tracked. I know you get tracked anyway on, on, on you know, your computers and your phones and everything. is, But, you know, we know that, but you don't invite more in, you know. And the thing is, what we're trying to teach everyone is to try and pull back some of your privacy. Because if you go outside and you're walking down the streets or driving, I mean, there's cameras absolutely everywhere. You're being spied on left, right and centre and you've given away everything. Uh, And we've done it little bit by little bit. And that's how people accept it. You know, and you've got more security here. You've got more security there. You've got to tell them this. You've got to tell them that. And you're just literally exposing yourself to everything and everyone. And having no privacy or any protection. So what we're pulling this back and saying, well, let's look at this private trust situation uh, where we can protect people's assets. Now it doesn't mean that you, you know that, that anybody's doing anything wrong. You know, I do hate that thing where I always say, well, if you weren't doing anything wrong, you shouldn't mind them all spying on you. That, that doesn't really sit well with me. <laughs> you know, are you got nothing to worry about if you're not doing anything wrong? Well, you know, I want to be private. I don't want people looking at me and knowing all my uh, financial details and knowing what my bank's doing and everything else. And just, um, just
0: as well, something that that happened when my grandmother passed, when, when it goes through probate, if you have it in a trust, you'll move the property on faster. They'll take a year and a half before you can do anything.
1: It It is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, because we recently, uh, I dealt with all the probate for, um, it was actually Janine's uh, father, but instead of letting the the solicitors or lawyers or anyone handle it, I handled it all, I did all of the work, which only cost a few hundred pounds compared to the thousands that they wanted, but it still took a little bit of time, but I know through again, uh, um, on Janine's side, one of her aunties, it just took months and months and months, you know, we weren't there, we weren't involved, so it just did go into probate. And people don't realize, you know, it's all oh, right, it's good, it's good, it's not a problem. I have a will. All you're doing and a will is giving it into probate, you know, and they'll keep a hold of that as long as they can, right? Because they're making all the money. They're making all the fees, they're making all the money, and, and that's all it's about, you know. Whereas if you do have it in a trust, right, it avoids probate completely because there is no, let's just say the property, all right, that's involved in it, you're not inheriting the property. So if, if my, like, so whoever it was, parents had, had a tr- private trust set up there and all their properties in private trusts, and it was, uh, the trust was passed on to me, me being the default beneficiary, then I would inherit the trust, not the property. OK, so then you know, I'm avoiding not only the probate, so there's no probate to actually worry about and getting dragged out and not seeing an end to anything. But there's no inheritance tax either because I'm not actually inheriting the property. I do not own the property. I am just a beneficiary of this trust. So, you know, it has major um, beneficial uh, tax implications if you look at it that way as well. you know this is i'm not sure
0: about year one but i know that the one that i spoke with somebody regarding the the usa was judgment proof as well is year one judgment proof what do you mean by judgment proof like if somebody has a, a court order against them if it's in the trust they can't actually have access to like say get sell the property
1: or whatever because it's inside this trust exactly you see and that's what i'm trying to tell people now um in this, this situation that we find ourselves in, okay? You know, we've been through, you know, a very weird three years. It is coming up three years, isn't it? You know, since all the uh, the crazy Charlie stuff started. and um, But everyone, there's a lot of people now are starting to uh, fight back, if that's the right way of putting it, or at least wanting to do things about this evil that is, you know, being above us and trying to t- rule our lives you know, with uh, iron fists. So they are starting to uh, make a stand and do certain things. You know, like they're, they're protesting about the uh, the taxes that they pay on the property. We call them council taxes in England. Um, but, you know, so it's property taxes and that they're, they're making a stand against that. They're making a stand against the ridiculous prices that are put on gas and electricity utilities. So they're making these stands. You know, but I'm trying to tell them, you know, before you 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 start going in and doing all of these things and fighting all of these corporations, very powerful corporations, you want to think about protecting something here. You want to think about putting your armor on before charging off into battle with them. So I get too many, too many messages, too many phone calls. And it's like, oh, help me. I've got the bailiff at the door. The bailiff's taking the car. They've clamped the car. Why is that in your name? You know, your name should not be on the property, right? So that that's what I'm trying to tell people, let us create, uh, and it is, it is legal, but it's more lawful, a private trust that you can actually, what we call, deposit your res or deposit your property into. So it's an asset protection, literally ring fencing around your property so that people like governments and stuff can't take it even a court so for instance right i'm in this property okay let's just say let's um all right just say i did a speed and fine i didn't pay it and and whatever and then they go to court and they do a court order and then they do like a, a bailiff like you know and get a high court order to come there's nothing that they can actually touch here because i own nothing i have no assets to my name whatsoever Right. I have I have I don't own any property. I'm not down on the land registry. I'm actually not down on the electoral roll. I'm I'm not registered with the council. There's nobody can find me on any registers like that. Right. I don't the the car is actually down in the trustees name, right? It all just says trustees of a private trust. It's registered at a separate address, which is a private trust address. It's nothing to do with me. It's nowhere near me, uh, you know. So even if they had a court order, there's nothing they could actually do. It's, Can you it's, get around the the property tax or the council tax when it's in the trust. Well, yeah. The thing is, there is other ways of doing it. Okay, um, which would be via the PMA, for instance, but also through that there are people fighting it now with um, legal means. And there will you're dipping into the public right, as well by doing the. Uh, um, Uh, freedom of information request, which they have to reply where they're requesting where the money is being invested for all of the council tax. So when they're replying and they actually put it down that they actually invest in arms manufacturers that are creating these cluster bombs, which is against the Geneva Convention, then they're withholding their payment to this property tax. That way there, you can't get taken to court. So once they actually do that, they put in for a tribunal. So once you've approached them, you have a, an officer inside every court it's called uh, every council in England. It's called S one five one officer. They are legally trained, so they know about the, the how they're set up with the council tax. And they know that they have to allow it to go to tribunal, but they refuse. So then you say, "Well, I request you re- remove my name and address off the uh, register of the the." The property tax and it, and it works all right but that's a different way but i mean still right on you you can maybe still get hassle for the property taxes but they can't take your property this is a big thing i keep telling people right or they, they say to me i haven't paid council tax for two and three years so i think i've beat them and then they don't know that the council have put a charge on their property obviously if they if they own the property even if you have a mortgage on it so they can still have an extra charge put on to the property Um, and a lot of the times if you haven't created uh, the um a property alert with the land registry you'll not even know so this is what i would recommend everybody to do would be not only the, the creating the trusts but in the united kingdom you can call the land registry or email the land registry and you can create what they call a property alert so anyone that tries to put or inquires about putting charge on your property, you will receive an email so you can start making sure it doesn't happen. It's free as well. It's free of charge. The land registry will do that for you. So it's just an extra benefit, an extra way of protecting. But with the land registry, you can also ring fence all of the equity in your property. So let's just say a lot of people that always panic or they worry that, oh, look, I have a mortgage. So if I have a mortgage, yes, I can put it into a private trust, that the actual name on the property. However, my mortgage company will not allow me to change the land registry name. OK, so your name is still going to be on the land registry. You're the, the, the owner of the property. So obviously the different countries will have different names for them. But what you're going to do is you're going to put a restriction on the land registry. And it's using their forms. So You don't have to worry about, about like, you know, like a, a weird and wonderful way. It's actually doing it in the public, right? Using their system, their legal forms. So if you have no mortgage and you create a private trust, let's just say it's called Peter's private trust. So now we're going to change the land registry to say trustee of Peter's private trust. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to approach the land registry and I'm going to fill in three forms. OK, now they'll be very similar for whatever country that you are. So there'll be different names. Right. You do an AP1, okay, which is going to change the the, uh, the land registry name. You do the TR1, which is going to transfer it over to a different entity. And you also need the ID1 which is just to prove that you are the person whose name, and I mean person, because there is a person on the land registry that you want to be removed. Okay. So you need them three forms, the ID one that's literally take it to a solicitor or a lawyer uh, with a photograph and your passport. You'll see it's you. They'll sign the, the photograph. They'll sign the form, the ID one, and they'll give it back to you. You complete the other forms send it all off to the land registry and then the land registry transfer it from my name or whoever's name it would be into trustee PS private trust okay or so whatever name it would be and then i do not own the property the property is held in trust uh, and it's protected and ring fenced however if i had a mortgage on there the bank who owned the mortgage If I requested to have the name changed, they would start to worry because they will know they're losing control. So they will object to the changing of the name on the land registry. So we do the other way of doing it. Instead of having it completely removed, we're going to put the restriction or the ring fence around the equity. So let me explain that. So let's just say that you've got, let's make it easy. We've got like uh, £200,000 value in the house. But I owe a £100,000 on the mortgage. So I have a £100,000 on equity. So if we think of it as a line, all right, here's the line. And this is the property. The bank are here, boom, together. First in line, first in time. So even if I sell the property, they are going to get paid and settle that account before I see a penny. Because they are first in line, first in time. So they get paid. But the rest of it, or this is my equity, this is what I want. So if I can't change my name, I'm gonna do another form on the land registry, which is called an RX1, which puts a restriction all around the rest of the equity. It means nobody else, even with a court order, right, even with the court from any court in the land, they cannot put a charge on that property. It is slightly more difficult complicated way it's perfectly easy to do if you have the correct trustee to do it for you don't make a mistake don't try and do it yourself without speaking to somebody who knows what they're doing because i do know people who've lost the house anyway because they did it wrong so yes it is perfectly doable if you know what you're doing or get someone to do it for you that knows how to do it so is there a, a way the-
0: that just say because like interest rates are going through the roof at the moment. Lots of people have lost their business because of the craziness that went on. Is there a way to kind of, that the mortgage company, when they come after you, that they can't get it?
1: Well, that's the thing with it going into a private trust. If it's registered in a private trust, all right, they cannot take that property because the only part of it belongs to them. This is the bit that people don't really understand. This is the bit that really is annoying for the councils okay so what I mean by that is right let's just go to the council side and then we'll go to the bank right so we know people've we've, we've been dealing with people that have had like a, a bill or a debt right of say like six seven thousand pounds sitting in houses that are worth four hundred thousand pounds. So a debt for six or seven thousand pounds they've made them bankrupt and took the house. Because this is the way that the councils make a lot of money, right? They make a lot more money out of stealing your house than they do out of you paying the council tax. So they're not that bothered if you don't pay your council tax because they want to take the property. And when they take the property and it's going to get sold to their contacts. Now, who is that going to be? Right. It's going to be their lot, their friends. And when they sell it, they don't sell it for the four, five, six hundred thousand that it's valued at. They sell it for way, way lower. And a lot of times, you end up still owing money on it, even though you, you know, you've got rid of the house. Just on
0: that, because some people might think there's no way that can happen. I personally have two cases that happened with me. One was a commercial property that was worth, say, just over a thousand euro. They valued it they went in with the valuers at half a million so that the first auction goes at 75 percent which is 1.5 the next is at 50 percent, which they were going to get it for basically 20 percent of the value the valuation was actually saying how bad the property and everything a valuer never does that so they were in cahoots with that another property there was another company with a lot of houses and they bribed everybody in the room and they got it themselves so This is going on internationally. And I've heard of it going on in Ireland as well. This happened to me personally in Poland. So what you're saying is definitely going on. People say, no way. Like like you're supposed to have the valuer that actually tells you uh, the whole process so that you know they're getting the highest price. I had three properties repossessed for me in Ireland. I got zero information. And they were pretending it was sold. And I found out that it wasn't sold just by the information that I was to. They actually rented them out. So the amount of corruption going on is unbelievable. So, like, that's why I'm totally investigating the trust. And I think you're totally right. That's the way to get these evil people out
1: of the equation. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it literally is like commercial bandits, but, you know, commercial pirates. And it's still, unfortunately, there's still a lot of people that believe, look, the government are here to look after you. You, you know, and um, it's like, OK, all right. So, like, you've been totally, like, not paying attention to the, well, your whole life, really. But the last three years, they've even stopped pretending. They've actually got bored with pretending now, right? Let, we're just going to screw you. I'm not even going to lie about it anymore. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, at least at least we know now, like, they're being honest about it. They're not trying, oh, look, we're going to look after you. We're going to actually take all your money off you because it's going to help you. Um <laughs> But, yeah, it, so they steal these properties all the time. So this is the thing, like with the the um, the the, the, mo- the mortgage side of it, but on the council side of it, they come in underneath all the time and they try and steal the property. So I'm going to show you another way that they try and steal it when you get older, but it can still be stopped with a private trust. And also you mix it, private and public, you mix it with the uh, government forms as well as the private trust. So on, on the mortgage side, as long as you have expressed, expressed the private trust correctly, and even though it's private, expressed it publicly so that you can prove that it exists. There's no way that they can take that. I'm not telling anyone don't go and pay your mortgage. However, right, you've just mentioned it yourself, Roy. I mean, they've literally just tried to destroy everyone's lives as much as, they, well, anyone who's not on their gang anyway. You know, if you don't speak like uh, Jacob Reese mogg then, you know, we're wanting to kill you off. The, uh so like they've ruined the businesses you know they've got rid of like as many jobs as possible so people are truly struggling then just to help them a bit more they've actually whacking the price up of all the gas and electric for no reason they're actually saying oh well well the the uh, the wholesale price has gone up no it hasn't you only have to look on their own websites to say the price hasn't gone up you actually can go on to um uh, the energy energy tracker I can't remember what's called now on on the UK and to see that all of the power stations are actually uh, working at top, top whack, right, providing the electricity. So there's nothing coming from Ukraine or Russia. So why is it increasing in price? The whole city of Birmingham, it's actually their electric is created by they collecting the rubbish right from the refuse collection and are burning it in the power stations and then selling their rubbish back to them but with electricity, so they're actually increasing the price, even though they took the rubbish away to burn it to create the electricity. But I've not gone off on a different tangent. But no, this no. is, and,
0: and, and I, I, I want, I don't want to hike the stage. I want to pass it to John. But like, basically, because, like, do you have to get the solicitor involved and the accountant? Because my experience, ninety-five, maybe higher percent of solicitors are slimy. They're only interested in money. I've just finished reading. <laughs> Tax Haven, Ireland, where you've got KPNG, uh, Pricewater Coop, all of the big boys, they're all bad. They're all protecting the corporations and everything. So like, is it true in affidavit that we do this? And the other thing then is when you're adding something, is there much of a process for changing it that you have to go through the whole
1: thing again or can you just do it like in an annex? Yeah, yeah well let, let's go back to the express first how we express it properly, but you 100% stay away from a solicitor. <laughs> All right. The, 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 the thing is, if you've any, anyone on that side, on the legal society side, it is the legal society, it's the bar, right? So, like anyone that's sworn to the bar, sworn to the court, they have sworn to a private members' association. The bar is a PMA, right? So, uh, they are sworn to the Crown Corporation, another PMA, an unincorporated association. So all of them on the private side, that's what they are there for, to give them money. Make sure they take our money and give it to them. So we don't want to use the legal society at all to create the trust, especially on the private, because they don't even know what that means or how to do it. Or if they do, they're certainly not going to do it for you. So what we do to create it, we create the document. So we're going to create a, a trust, a deed of trust. And we're going to outline it with what we call the indentures. Onion dentures, it's basically our law, our rules and regulations of how this trust is going to work, what is allowed to be used, what's not allowed to be used, what trustees are allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. All written out, it's all fully there and we write it as I a man or I a woman. We don't use legal jargon, we don't use acts and statutes, we do not go into the legal society, we do it at law under the creator. However, when we express it, so we have the trust deed, then we also create what we call a certificate of creation, a memorandum of trust creation, uh, as well as an assignment of res property, which goes into the actual trust deed. So those documents get put in a package and we send them to like, just say I was sending it to you. I would send it Royal Mail tracked right, with a tracking number, and I put, a buy the tracking number, and I actually put the tracking numbers inside the documents, I put them inside the trust deed, I put them inside the, the certificate of creation, the memorandum of trust creation, and the assignment of res or property into the trust, so what I'm doing is I'm covering the first certainty, right, that needs to be in place out of three certainties To make sure that you have a lawful trust. The first certainty is the certainty of intention. Did you intend to create a trust? And did you really do it? Because we all live in trusts all the time. Everything we do is in a trust. If you're in a bank, you're in a trust. If you go to a shop, you're in a trust. Everything is trust. And nobody has to tell you it's a trust to be a trust. But. When we have one, we want to make sure that we can prove we intended the certainty of intention. So if we've actually created the trust documents, then put the Royal Mail tracking numbers inside the documents, then posted them tracked for right with numbers by the Royal Mail. Then when it gets received by whoever it's sent to, they sign for it with the Royal Mail signatory right, then we actually go back onto the line, we have the number, we can put it into the Royal Mail website, it tells us who signed for it, when they signed for it, what date, and what time, this all gets printed out, and that also gets sent to the trustee, right, and the person, well, the, the man or woman who owns the trust, so they have all of that documentation, it all comes in a big, hard, solid folder, it's like a little mini briefcase, which is how we do it anyway, just so it's safe all the, and then I tell them, buy a fireproof box or a waterproof box. Don't stick it on, you know, your, your uh, bedroom cupboard or, or anything, you know. So that's covered the intention. The, f- the first certainty out of the three is certainty of intention. Nobody could say you did all that work by accident and that you didn't really intend to create a trust. So you're covered there by law. So the second certainty that must be in place is what they call the subject matter. But inside the deed, which we've posted Royal Mail with the tracking numbers in and also the assignment of res, which has there, we create a title number. Right. So if this this house is getting put in the trust, I'm going to make it a title number and it can just be anything. So let's call it um, property asset 1234 uh, uh, of the private trust, Peter's private trust. That's the title number that's gone in the documents tracked by the Royal Mail. So when it's arriving, it's signed for again. So then they're saying we have the two certainties now. Certainty of intention. We definitely intended creating the trust. Certainty of subject matter. We've shown you the subject. We've put in the subject matter. The trust has property inside it. And then the third one is what they call a, a certainty of objects or objectives. And that is who is the beneficiary or who are the beneficiaries? So we have to have those three in place. So inside all the documentation, we have the certainty of one. This is the uh, intention to create the trust. Here is the subject matter. This is the property we're putting in. And here are the names of the man and the woman who are going to be the beneficiaries of that trust. That's the three certainties of intention created and then expressed. Now, what I tell people to do is go for belt and braces. So you got your braces, keep your trousers up, put a belt on as well. Okay? So we have what we call a statement of interest and a public notice. So on the statement of interest, literally just a piece of paper, a document written up there. with. It's got no private information on. All it's doing is statement of interest. The private trust was created on blah, blah, blah date. A trust num, a name, Peter Wilson's private trust. Um, uh, property or with the title number PA12345, you don't have to tell them what the property is, just tell them the property title uh, was deposited as res, as property, okay, uh, expressed by reading this notice. You can then take that notice and put it on local notice boards, which we have at the post office for the Royal Mail or for the libraries as well, all tied to the government or local councils, all government-backed. And then we take a photograph of where it is as well. So you've expressed it publicly. And then we also tell them to contact the local newspaper. And we put in a a little ad in the local paper. And it starts off with the title, public notice, all in capitals. That makes it a legal notice on the legal society side. So it's quite ironic, but we're actually using them and using the statutes, but to declare privacy. So, and it's just a little, just a little bit like that, right? But it cost, when I did mine, well, fair enough, it was a while ago, but it was less than £100 and they put it on the internet. So, it got literally expressed worldwide and in the local paper and they give me a copy of the local paper. Public notice, a private trust was created, trust, private trust, property was put into it, property asset, one, two, three, four, five. Again, no private information. But just make up an email, as create one on Hotmail, Google Mail. And just put any in, uh, any interest or any inquiries. Email this one, and that's it. That goes in as a public notice, legal in the newspaper. So if you're going to have to go and stand in a, a court, what you were saying about the mortgage, they're going to take you to court. You've got those expressed private documents, private trust documents that you take into the court. So, well here's my private trust this property is held by the trustees in the private trust or or at least the asset is and the, which means the equity you cannot take the equity right so you know they, they it would be it would be legally extremely difficult if not impossible for them to actually repossess that house so <laughs> if more people had known that in 2007 2008 2009 when they did that to you Know definitely for me, I think it was at the same time, wasn't it? For you, yeah, you know, then we we could have saved a lot more, a lot more people from that that burden.
0: Well, I think we'll save them now. But I I know I have a a load more questions, but I can't can't take any more of the time, so I'll pass you on to John. John, thanks very much, Peter. No problem.
2: Hey, Peter, hey, guys, sorry about the whole shifting of everything. I just this is my first podcast back from three months, so. You're bringing up a ton of great questions and a ton of great points. I recently just moved countries. I moved from Canada to the United States. I set up an LLC. I did all what uh, Uncle Sam wants me to do, to do it legally, to immigrate to the United States. And you're bringing up a lot of interesting questions for me. Like, uh, For example, like could what you're doing for somebody who is on a working visa in a different country, do that for themselves? Or do you have to be a citizen of that country?
1: Well, no, I mean, if you're, if you're in that country there, so if you're in the USA now, okay, so they've obviously accepted you into there. So like on your LLC, which whatever you're actually doing with it, you can actually place that into a private trust, even though it's a statutory entity, statutory commercial entity although I would rather turn it into a PMA, <laughs> right? We'll talk about that in a bit. But you can still put your, if you have a home that you've got by purchase or by mortgage, you can still create a private trust to put uh, it, that, that property into it. And the thing is, right, that on, on we have what we'd call like the Magna Carta, but we still come on, under the, um, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights And also the european declaration of human rights even though they're trying to scrap it right in the uk the um but the the those declaration of human rights says point blank that we are allowed privacy and we are allowed life and we are allowed association with who we want to associate with which covers both the private trust and the private members association so this they're telling you under there as well as the um i can't remember if it's Article 4 or whatever is on the US Constitution, which is for the privacy as well. You know, so the um, it, there's a lot that could actually help, you know, which backs you up to actually have private trusts, even if you've been in Canada, but now you're under the, you're in the jurisdiction, you are in their jurisdiction of the United States, so you can set up the private trust being protected by their jurisdiction because they will protect your privacy.
2: Would that do anything to my, uh, to my visa status?
1: Well, I've never had to deal with that, I must admit. So just so you know, but the, I, I'm trying to think how it could. If you are not doing something that's causing harm to another or another's property, then I wouldn't think so, you know? Because that's, that's the things that, they, that they're, they're, they're acid test. Are you harming a man? Are you harming the property of a man? You know, that's what we want to know. And that would be on both private trusts or private members associations.
2: Right. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how could this, um, would there be any negative impact with the IRS, which we all know is not legal in the United States, but they're fun- they're working. Um, and I can talk about this freely because my visa has been approved. So... <laughs> like would there be any impact like would the irs with the united states government look down or try to shut me down in one way or another like i mean i live in a pretty conservative state Uh, i don't see governor governor desantis doing anything bad to his people uh but you never know
1: yeah that's the yeah i I would if if i was going to be anywhere i'll be in a state run by governor desantis that's for sure (laughs) but um the thing is with the irs is uh, like yeah, on on the asset protection side of a private trust which is what we're really talking about all you're doing is you're, you're protecting your asset from interference or theft from commercial pirates be them the the corporations or even the government agency corporations which they still are just corporations and if you're doing it on a lawful basis then I can't see them having a problem. The thing is with the IRS, if you, um, which I, I know, I deal with people in the United States, when they just say, well, look, we, we do not have any income. We do not deal with the IRS. I don't need to do any returns because my estate does not earn an income. They know the difference. And the thing is, the, the IRS, the agents, they know this, by the way. They know that the estate as long as you're putting like non assumpts it any doesn't mean not applicable, non-assums it any on on any forms for the IRS, then you're telling them we do not contract with you. we, we are not our estate. I am man I don't I'm not declaring an income and a man cannot have an income. my estate has no income because that's the only thing they can talk to is your estate, your legal fiction, the capital name. So I know quite a lot. I think it's it's easier if you know the words to use and you know the language to to, to use when you're talking to these agents. I I can't remember her name now, but there's a woman who travels around the United States teaching a lot of people the language to use to not pay any tax to the IRS because it's all voluntary. Hmm. I've even seen videos from the 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 head of the IRS admitting point blank yes it's a voluntary system the taxation to the IRS
2: interesting very interesting um like i said like i just i i, I the visa just got approved and i want to set this up where you know i don't get hounded and and I'm sure a lot of people out there want to want, want that uh, want that as well, but I also want to abide by the rules too. Like, uh, I'm not uh, my company is not out there to hurt anybody or destroy anybody's property or incite violence to other people. It's to help people. So, is what a chartered accountant. Be, be knowledgeable with this like who do, who would i would who would i go to seek out for more information on something like this
1: the just for the private trust side do you mean
2: yeah and setting up a, and setting up the private trust properly so uh they don't come after my home they don't come after my car they don't come after me personally
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean that i wouldn't go to a chartered accountant the, the thing is uh, like <laughs> a chartered accountant is a is a, a debt collector he's, he's an income tax collector they they're just looking to like take money from you to give it to the tax man the irs to set up like as i have explained with doing the, uh, the if you have the documents correctly worded and correctly created and then they're expressed obviously not royal mail but whatever mail to make sure that it's signed for and that, that it's inside the documents Because then they can't say, oh, you received them and wrote it in. You create them with the tracking numbers inside the documents so that they know they were created at a certain date. They've been received at another certain date. So they were definitely created a private trust. And the only intention is to protect the assets. So there's no malice that you you can't harm anyone by creating uh, a private trust. And all of the uh, well, on in the UK, they call them MPs, members of parliament, or lots of other things, but that's what that proper title is, you know. And you have the Senate and and senators and and, and whatever they're called, you know, then they all have private trusts, you know, they, they everything they do is in the private, yeah, they just don't tell us how to do it, you know. We have to discover these and work harder. I mean, these people get soon as you get into, like, government, they're taking you away, they're taking you to these private parties, and they're showing you all the things to do, you know, and I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not talking about anything nasty, nasty, but how to, like, get the wealth and how to protect your wealth, how to create more wealth. And then all of a sudden, all these people that are on seventy and 80,000, which is still quite a lot of money a year, are all suddenly millionaires. Well, how did that work? You know, that doesn't, that's not very good maths, but it's because they get shown how to do it. And it's all just about moving things into private. So you're not going to do anything wrong. You're just point blank, making sure. And the whole thing is you you go and buy a property. Everyone wants to do it. I own this. I own that. So my name is on that property. My name is on that car. All you're doing is you're waving a red flag saying, come and get it then. Come and get it. Don't put your name on it. Just like J.D. Rockefeller said, own nothing but control everything. All of these private jets Right, are all PMAs, by the way, right? Uh, but they don't own them. They won't put their name on them, right? The only ones that you ever see with the names on them are these, I, I don't watch TV, but I have get sent clips, right, when they keep coming and stealing the property. These bailiffs or whatever, you know, don't pay, we take it away and stuff like that. Obviously, it's just they're put on TV to frighten you, but make sure your name's not on an asset and they can't take anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, that's really cool. So what would be the first step to setting up a private trust?
1: Well, once you've actually got a list of everything you want to put in the trust. Now, the thing is what you've got to realize is what it is you're allowed to put in and what you're not allowed to put in. Now, you can put anything that is classed as property. Property proper to I. All right? Unique to I, not shared with the community. So that would be your sons and daughters so you can put your sons and daughters into a private trust as long as they're not over 18 because they'll go to over 18 then they can have to create their own private trust but this is the thing that i'm trying to like get other people to realize so what is proper to you what is it that's unique to you and not shared with the community i was about fingerprints or your dna okay your blood your eye scan who says they can have that who actually said walking into a supermarket, they can take my photograph? You know, this is like, this is proper to I. This is my property. It's unique to I, and I don't share it with anyone. So you can put those items into a private trust. Think a little bit more along that way. See so your children, you don't want them called that. You want them called sons and daughters and by the name. All right. Don't use the term children or child, because then that is a title that is given to the government via the birth certificate.
2: Cool. So something like uh, your company, your your car, your house, all that could be put into the private trust.
1: Yeah, you can express it, and then you assign that that piece of property. Let's just say your house into the private trust. So then it you know it goes in property title number. You create a title number, and it gets deposited as what they call RES into the private trust. And then the trust protects it, just the same as it does for anyone else. You know, we are getting uh, pushback from from government in the UK about the private trusts. You know, it's funny because um, when we do the... Well, it's not funny, (laughs) but when we do the private trusts, we tell the people, right, what you need to do is you, you need to do a lasting power of attorney, which is with the government, right? I think in other countries, I think Australia, they might call it an enduring power of attorney, uh, you know, you might have a similar term, but it's when you put right, for instance, you've got the medical one and you have the property one. So on the medical one, if you end up going into hospital and you've lost compass mentors, you, you know, you, you you can't speak for yourself, even if it's just you're made unconscious. If you have a power of attorney set up through the government website, which is like you know, we use the, the public side then they have to follow all of your wishes and all of your instructions on that power of attorney. All right. So if you have it written on the power of attorney, which I have on mine, which is registered and accepted by the government, it's set up on the government website and I have the codes to issue. You get special codes to issue if you have to go to hospital. So not allowed to be any mask, not allowed to be tested with anything, not allowed any blood transfusions unless I can trace where it's from not allowed to use a ventilator on me, right? You're not allowed to leave me alone with any NHS staff or hospital staff. Needs to be a witness at all times so nobody's going to try and kill me. I don't mind dying. I'm not scared of that. I just don't want them to do it, you know? So, and and that's on the government website. It's accepted and I have the code sent to me. And on the uh, property side, I have it written on mine that any property that is, is must be left inside the private trust And no one's allowed to touch it or move it outside of the trust. And again, that's accepted by the government. So we're using their side as well as our side. And now, when I got mine, right, uh, I can't remember now, a year or so ago, 18 months ago, took about two months to actually get that finished through the government website. Now it takes six to seven months. Right. They send that, you know, obviously they're just making it longer because they know people are protecting the property. Right. They they know that they're actually getting wise to this now. Now, every, it's always been there. They just don't tell anyone. Right. So, you know, you, they, they'll say to you, you have your rights, you have rights, but they don't have to tell you what those rights are or how to express them. Does that make sense? It
2: does. It does and it brings up another question. Could you could you potentially do this for international properties, international purchases?
1: Yeah, it, it, again you need to check on the actual is it common uh, common law jurisdiction or a civil law jurisdiction. So if you know if you're going into in, if you've got property in Spain, they are definitely under a civil law, but they still are signed up to the European and the uh, universal declaration of human rights where they stand under property. So, you know, once as long as you're knowing which argument you could have, is it a common law country? Or do you have to go under the Declaration of Human Rights for the privacy? So but yeah, you can, you can.
2: One more quick question before I hand you off to Hartmut, you mentioned something about this could be tied in with a PMA, how exactly could that?
1: How would that relationship work? Okay, well, on a PMA, Right. That's a private members association, which is a commercial entity. Okay, So the thing is, PMAs or private associations, they have been around for as long as man has been exchanging goods with each other. PMAs are just simply set up with private contracts. That's all it is. So if you have a if I have my PMA, my PMA, right, I have my charter. So I have my charter and bylaws, the my laws, the same as I've expressed on my indentures on my private trust. I have my bylaws expressed in my charter and bylaws on the PMA. And it's outside of government. And so it's outside of statutory regulations because we follow the law expressed in the document. We have the articles of association and we also have members applications so that they are binded bound to us by the contract so they would if they sign it or accept it then they are part of our pma so they have to follow the rules and the laws part of that is there's no legal right they're not allowed to try and take legal action they must try do things by inside the pma with the tribunal and accept what's what's decided by the tribunal This is how law always was, anyway, before government started creating 3,000 ridiculous laws they call the acts and statutes every week. Okay, so saying that they couldn't heat the the barbers up for a certain temperature, or you know, you're not allowed to go into the supermarket uh, unless you you, you wear a, a big bib on your face and you know, stuff like this. We're talking about the law. Um, so what we do is those documents of a PMA will allow you to do commerce with your members on a private basis. So in other words, you don't sell things, right? You trade them. And what you do is you they have, the members have benefits and privileges of your member, right? So they're your member. And you I don't like you to use the term membership because we want to get rid of shipping. We don't want to be in the, uh, the maritime law. So we're just on a member society, all right? So they will have the benefits and privileges of being in the in your member, your member society. So you know, and then those those documents are an asset, very valuable. So you put those assets in the private trust, which puts your right PMA in the private trust. And then you can even insert your PM your private trust inside the PMA as well. So they're actually doing it like um circling, circling around each other, protecting each other.
2: Oh, very cool. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to pass it off to Hartman now. No worries. Hi, Peter.
3: Thank you so Hi. much um, for this interesting cross topic again. And um, my direct question is, in order to make it very clear, we talk about trusts and we talk about PMA where we sign everything. We don't go to, let's say... A to the island, what's the word of, uh, what's the, what are the island called between uh, France and, uh, and UK? This, uh, this, um, I forgot. Uh, we don't yeah, go to, 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 or Jersey, to, isle of man. Yeah, we don't, don't go know. to a country. We don't go to an, uh lawyer on Isle of Man and establish a trust. Correct? No. Or is this a possibility?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. Let's just let's just say let's talk about some um, footballers, for instance. Okay, so you've got some like uh, wealthy footballers who have been convinced that they can do some kind of crazy tax deal to get rid. And it all goes into a private trust and everything like that. And then they always get chased and they always get into trouble. I don't know if you ever heard of like Rangers Football Club in uh, Scotland. And they got, like, you know, kicked out of the premiership and everything because they were doing all of these dodgy trusts and everything going over offshore. Okay? you Like, all you have to do is be uh, standing under the creator and standing at law under the creator and being in a trust. You don't need to go to fancy lawyers that are going to make up stories. Right? You don't need to go offshore. Right? You can do that here. Um, now, We've actually got now, we have a bank, right? There's there's a couple of banks that we're talking to, but we've got one bank that is accepting bank accounts for PMAs and for private trusts. So you can actually create the, the commercial entity of a PMA. We have a bank now that will accept it as an, because it's classed as an unincorporated association, you see. Right, which you can put your private trust inside of that unincorporated association inside of that PMA, okay, and have uh, a bank account for it and for the private trust. And, and it's, 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 it's an onshore, you don't have to do any crazy, uh, you know, moving around or like sending it down to the Seychelles or going on to the Isle of Man or Gibraltar. The thing is, the biggest tax haven, the biggest one that's the pirates there is the City of London. Right yep. in that 1.2 square miles, that's when like that 90% of the world's pirates live or work, anyway.
3: Interesting. So, for example, also for foreigners, uh, let's say uh, people from Poland, Germany, France, Italy, let's say if they have they have a landlord in UK where they can establish or where they can rent, uh, let's say a room, they can establish. And then they could establish a PMA, or for example, a trust in UK, and then they could put all the things in the trust in UK, and, the, and establish a bank account in UK. Is that possible?
1: That I don't know. I don't know uh, if you could do that. You know, I mean, the thing is, like, the, the, if you are renting a room there, it's not really going to give you jurisdiction to move like your property over to there. And if you're only renting, you you, you can't really. You can't put property that's not yours into into a trust, which is why I'm saying, you know, your sons and daughters can go in if they're under 18 or else they're not your property any longer. But, you know, if if you were moving to another jurisdiction, you can create the the private trust in that jurisdiction if you are uh, settled in that jurisdiction. But I can't I can't I'd have to like research it if you weren't living in the actual uh, the, the, the domicile, to find out there. I couldn't just say it, yes or no. I don't know that one.
3: Yeah, because, for example, in Germany, in the 50s, we, have the, we had the war victim compensation law, which was uh, directly connected to um, an exchange of, let's say, of money, where in the 50s, uh, let's say you have 50,000 everything was which was more than 50,000 reichsmark on the bank or deutschmark on the bank it was cut 50-50 by the government and it took and the government took all the money for paying this war victim compensation law and they also put mortgages on the houses for example of 50% so for example if you had a house of 500,000 deutschmark then uh, they made 50% cut and you had to pay 250,000 until, let's say, 1978, for 25 or 28 years. And wow. uh, this law was changed in Germany in 2019, November 2019, to a social compensation law. This means if people from different countries and their families come, if uh, if there is violence in families, if uh, there is... Um, vaccination damages, all these things will be paid by this law and at the same time it will activate also this exchange of payments so that all the countries, the whole Germany will go under a huge debt and no one can hold uh, real estate anymore because um, the, the expenses will be so high that the mortgages which will be put by the government on the houses no one can pay it and for this reason we are looking for solutions so that for example we can establish a trust and uh, so that this law cannot be affect the property of people
1: mm. well I, I, I do believe right that if you actually create a private trust and have it like expressed and registered properly and I mean registered through like the the mailing system so that they can prove that it was created then I reckon that that would be, what you could use that in court, the same as you could use it with a mortgage company to stop them repossessing, you know, the same thing. I think that that could be used. That could be very, very powerful in that case. Um, I would say the sooner you do it, the better, because if you do it like, you know, like just as they're saying, now we're going to put this into force, you know, they've got an argument that, oh, you're only doing that, you know, because we've said this. But if you do it before it actually gets kicked into to force them to try and do that to the property, then I reckon that, that would stand up very well, very strong uh, case uh, by keeping it in the trust and stopping them doing that.
3: Yeah, we you have know. More. we have one year turn left. It will be this law will be activated on the first January 2024. So there's one year where the where the people in Germany can do something against it, and you and you spoke about a very interesting subject about the sons and the daughters, is a is a different subject. But for example, in Germany we have many cases where the father and the mother uh, have a big argument, they separate, and then they fight for the kids. and um, also, in many cases, uh, the children will be taken from the from the parents, and will be put somewhere else. Yeah, and if I put the children in a trust, is it possible? For example, for example, if, if one let's say the mother, the separate mother, puts the children, uh, not the children, the son or the daughter, in a trust, is it possible that in that case the father or the someone else or a court can get um control
1: over them that that would definitely protect them you know from from getting taken by the court or anything like that the only problem is that you're going to be fighting the parent as well if the parents are fighting each other that's the only thing because you know this is why we end up being in a court because all of the legal society look at us like we are incompetent children that's the way they see us. And then all you're doing when you're using the legal society is you are complaining like an incompetent child, which is why they represent you and you're not allowed to speak for yourself. So, what we have to do is we have to start really acting more like grown ups, right? Especially if we're grown up enough to have children and stop fighting with each other and definitely do not fight with a a court, which will turn us into further children. So they have to have some kind of agreement together that like people give up their ownership of their sons and daughters by involving the court. They actually give up their ownership. Once you've actually like, got them involved, they then own the, the own, and you turn them into, that's what we're saying, use the word sons and daughters, because once they've turned them into children, they're taking ownership, and they're taking them away, that's how we lose them, so often, you know, um, you, you need to, like, not be fighting with each other, right, you should be going against the system, you know, and, and helping each other with your sons and daughters, rather than involving the legal society, who you know, They want the children. Yes, definitely. And um,
3: is it, let's say, can it be an advantage to go to, for example, if someone, if one makes a court case, then you have, then you are in the court case. And is it better to go without a lawyer in a court case or in that case, for example, can you, it's a difficult question. For Example, it's better to represent yourself in a court or the better we get represented by a lawyer because, in the right. case if you are go by a lawyer, you are like a child, you have nothing to say anymore
1: mm-hmm. exactly. But so, if you what go you d-
3: alone, if you go without the lawyer, you don't have the knowledge, but you are representing yourself.
1: Well, what you wouldn't do is represent yourself because you, you're already gonna be present. So they can't represent you. This is their terminology. So when we're gonna go and stand in a court, if it was me, right? I'm only talking about, you know, I would go, I would be present, I would not be represented by another. I would not act like a child. So I would stand as a man and I would stand there, I am man, um here on this matter. That's how I would stand. Even if it was for the children or any other. So what they try and do is to turn you into incompetent children and they will represent you. You're not allowed to talk. Right. And then they use your legal fiction name, your estate. So you are to them when you're in this system, you are a piece of property. You are literally cargo without souls, And that's why they're going to and they do anything they want with you. And then people say, what about my rights? Well, you haven't got rights when you are a piece of property. Standing under the creator as I a man, then then you have the rights of a man at law. If you go in and allow the legal society to interfere in in your business, then the legal society will take over and then you have no rights.
3: Well, this is interesting um, because I remember very, it's long ago, I think the, the prime minister of Iran was Rob Sanjani, and he said in one in one interview he said the human rights are the problem. <laughs> mm.
1: That's what they're trying to do in England now. They're trying to get rid of like the you know the European Declaration of Human Rights. And when they talk about it, they say, "Oh, we're trying to get rid of these European laws that are interfering." The European laws that they say are interfering are the human rights laws that stop them sending. Uh, all of the immigrants to Rwanda because they know they'll get them murdered and and tortured in Rwanda, right? So now they got stopped by doing it by the EU. So now it's a European problem because somebody has human rights. They're not allowed to murder them. I see.
3: And, uh, for example, if you... I want to go to the electricity and to the gas. Is there a possibility to establish a PMA? with respect electricity and gas is there any possibility so that they can get off this system or let's say it this way that they can get off the system for example we know that they can change uh, the device and then they can say okay you can use my device and then you can but you have to pay me 100 uh, uh, euros per day this is uh, what we learned but is it makes, does it make sense to, to create a PMA concerning gas and electricity? Or is, is, is this is object which doesn't work?
1: Do you mean do you mean like to you to do it for your own home or do you mean like to actually create a big PMA that would actually act I, as... I
3: think for example, a street, let's say a street or a couple of people, let's say some people on the off the street, which have the same mindset wants to create a PMA mm-hmm. concerning electricity and, and energy. That's this, a very interesting subject,
1: sense. yeah. Because there is, um, there's a couple of groups in the UK that are setting up. Um, I don't know if they're going to do it as a PMA, but they're setting up their own company. They're, they're actually going to go and start buying the, um, the the wholesale electricity prices, apparently. So that, but that's very similar. And then they're going to offer that to uh, other users at proper prices instead of these inflated ones. But um, if they did that, then they should do it as a PMA. That's how I would do it because then you're know, keeping it private and you're not going to be interfered with by you know, government agencies. But
3: for example, this is, this is for me a very interesting question. If I create a PMA and the, in this PMA there are members and we are pri- we are a private group and at the same time we have to interact with companies right how do i do this how do i ma- how do i build this bridge because in the moment when i sign a contract with with a company i have to i have to show my passport and on the passport everything is written on the on the big letterhead
1: mm-hmm. the uh, well funnily enough i was just talking about this today the um so if we have a pma but I have to go and deal with um, a supplier, right, over there. So I I have got my PMA here. And um, let's just say I give people food, uh, food PMA, right? So I have to get it from somewhere, right? But my relationship with the supplier, okay, is on a different basis than my members. So I will have to act with them and I will have to buy my supplies, however I have to buy them. But once, so he doesn't have to be in my PMA. But once I've got the my supply, my food or whatever it would be, then this is when the relationship is leveled out by the PMA. So they would be paying, let's just say they pay a monthly membership and then they can eat this food, all right? So I've got their, like, but there's no extra taxes to pay. There's no extra... Bill uh, like licenses to pay or anything like that, for instance, in America, you're not allowed to sell milk unless it's been like i think uh pasteurized where it's got it, you can't sell raw milk to someone, but there is a lot of p m a s now that that will actually deal in that, and the raw milk is available to the private members, so the f d a can't see anything about it because it's not touched by the federal law or whatever law because it's private. So you know, but anything outside of that PMA, if they had to go and get food to feed the cows to make the milk, then that's they don't the the supply chain doesn't have to be in the PMA. So you know, if it's a government agency that you're dealing with, to get some supply from I don't know exactly how it would work, you know, what would mean, but You know, your relationship is not going to be part of the PMA, but the rest of it will be in the PMA.
3: Yeah, I think uh, because we have to think in two things we have to think in the PMA and we have to think in the complete, in the whole system, uh, let's say commercial system. And for example, if I, let's say I want to buy electricity, yeah, so some megawatts or kilowatts, I don't care. So, and this, and this is, for example, of 10,000 euros a month of 50,000 euro a month. And I pay the 50,000 euro a month. And I got the money from the PMA and, and then I put the money on the system and send it to the supplier. In that moment, I have a tr- I have in the system, in the commercial system, I have trouble because I cannot explain where did I get the money from because I got the money private.
1: No, 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 no. It wouldn't be. I mean, it's like this happens all the time. This is exactly how it works. So we have our PMA,
4: right? Yeah.
1: So the, the money comes into the PMA, yeah. right? So that's private, right? So, but if I have to, uh, right? I'd have to go and buy food f- for me, right? But I'm not buying the food. My PMA, which is a ministry, is buying the food on my behalf. Oh. So, as a, because I am a minister of my ministry, it's a faith-based ministry. The Private Members Association is a faith-based ministry. So, I have a vow of poverty, right? I don't own anything, okay? I will not buy anything. So, the PMA, the ministry, has to supply my food, my water, my transport, my house, everything. I see is um
3: one question? Is there a difference between a club and PMA, or is a club a PMA?
1: Uh, if it's a private club, let's just say, for instance, and um, you have like private country clubs or golf clubs, it's exactly the same as a PMA. They can set it up differently. They can, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Some people might have seen um a lot of uh, churches or ministries like during the period when they locked everything down and and they were uh, trying to run services and then the authorities were turning up and were giving them a hard time and arresting people for going to church. The only reason why the authorities were allowed to go in there was because those ministries or churches had signed on for tax benefits. Now, once the the ministry or the church, the building, the, the, the enterprise... Has actually allowed themselves to be tied into a benefit from the government, a tax benefit. Everything is everything is public.
3: Now I understand okay. it's like a private club because I know someone here in Germany. He made something very interesting. He buy, he bought um, he bought a a caravan, a huge one, and he established a private club for making natural document, natural uh, movie doc- um, natural movies. And brought all these pictures and movies on the on the Facebook site. and so the whole caravan was in the club, and his wife, and his uh, was the executive of the club, and him he was let's say the he is doing he wrote the protocols, and so he could travel around the globe, and this and no one could touch the caravan.
1: Mm -hmm. This is how it works understood yeah same as a private jet ah private jets that's why they call them private jets because it's you know when you travel on a private jet they de- they never have passports they don't do what you know we have to do to go through an airport you know it's all private you know like if we have talking about the barristers before but we have a lot of these really expensive private clubs in london One of them is a male-only barristers, all right? Well, they have been taken to court before trying to uh, prosecute them for being discriminatory because it's male-only, right? But they can't win because it's a private club. It's a private members' association. So they're not under acts and statutes. So they can't be creating, uh, committing an offence of discrimination because they're following their own rules and their own laws. So it's male only, and that's what it is. Thank you so much. Thank you so
3: much. Pastor pass to Grace. Brilliant. No Pleasure talking
4: to you. Hey, Peter, and thank you very much. And to all the questions and conversations of, and comments of everyone else, because it's very, very helpful to me and also to our audience. Now, following what you just said, that if they have uh, the church have taken advantage of tax benefits, so, but if they stop doing that, can they now resist or how do I say it? Can they really truly claim um, their sovereignty as a PMA?
1: Okay. Well, I mean, what they'd have to do is literally close it down and start again. Right? Because once you've corrupted it, you've corrupted it. But you never want to use the term sovereign anyway, because break down the, the, the etymology of it. So, solve the beginning of it, S-O-V-E, solve. Means to sleep or sleepers, and then you have rain after that. So you've got our new king, apparently, and our he wants to be sovereign, so what he wants to do is to reign over the people that are asleep.
4: I see. so that's one thing I'm learning more and more is to be able to know, to change my language, change my statements, because that's kind of like crucial in even expressing my intention and so I so outside the fact that there's so much to educate ourselves and to understand do I understand that before you one can do a PMA or one can do your trust do you need to correct your status first or not
1: well I believe that it's really important to correct your status anyway because what you're doing is you're going to be standing under the creator and telling whoever wants to like, be told or listen that you are a man or a woman and that you are alive and living in the private under the creator. You know, but at the end of the day, once you've created the PMA, you're going to be inside the PMA as long as you use the correct language and, and the terminology you've just mentioned you know, so you don't use any legal jargon. And you're telling, I am a man, I am a woman, you know, inside the PMA, then you don't have to worry about, like, have you corrected the status on paper as long as you're acting that way and you're living that way. Does that make sense?
4: Yes, yes, yes. Just as uh, you mentioned that, act act like what, what you desire. And, you know, act like you're when, when you were and Hartmut and you were talking about being in the court, in the legal system. So, like, stand up and just believe and practice that you really own what you're saying. Now, um, what are your experiences? Can you give me like an example of because I I see that that's the trend that most health professionals are doing now and some the doctors and I some of. I think have done it before even the last three years. So um, in terms of how a health professional like me as a nurse, and I still like to be able to be of service in the institution. But at the same time, I want to have my own PMA and, of course, my own trust what's your experience with that what's the what's the difficulty in that or what's the ease
1: you mean to you, you want to run your pma but you also want to work say for yeah. instance in the hospital
4: correct i don't want to to um, submit my back my, my my license yet just because sometimes i i'm being hired or i'm being sought to speak like in in a in an institution where they need someone with my license.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. As long as you make sure it's completely separate, right, and there's no tie-in from what your work is there, right, and also what your PMA is. Now, uh, right, there's a, there's, a big, there's a big group in the UK at the minute, and it's, a, it's like a health group that are setting up health practices outside of the, uh, the government one. Now, this is the interesting thing that not many people know when they talk about the NHS or the National Health Service in England. It's a trust. They've set it up as a trust. So, you know, when you're talking about, like, um, you know, government institutions or stuff like that, it's not. The the, the NHS or the National Health Service is a a private trust. Right? But if you're doing that and you're working, so this big group have set up, and they are now working to set up a, a bigger PMA so they can all be working within that PMA. Some of them are still going to be working in the other trust, right? Which is, but you know, because it's tied in with the government, then, you know, they have to do the, whatever they're told there. But once you've finished it and you move over, as long as you're acting as a woman inside that private, uh, P- private members association, sticking to the laws, the charter, Of that private association then you can you can you can definitely dip in and out of the private definitely
4: so i find it truly important and to first to learn from the right people like you and also to be around people who are working towards this so yeah as you said um is is in a nice state right now and there's i'm sure there's no doubt that there are many people there who are working towards this um, PMA and you know trust, private trust, and many other things. Like one of the ways, Peter, is that one can express also the intention is through uh, publishing something in the newspaper. Because I believe one my my friend who's a dentist, she's working on this thing and she's she finally told me hey i finally published it in the newspaper so now she's going to be ready to create her faith based dentistry
1: yeah yeah that's um yeah we we, we've got a, a dentist in our in our membership as well you know and we're trying to help him to move in exactly that way so he's investigating that but That is the thing is that once you've actually set up and it's the faith-based ministry, which would be the PMA, and the way we have it is our faith is the faith in nature and nature's creator. That's how we put our faith and describe our faith. So then, you, you know, you've actually set up your charter and your articles of association. Then you can express them and you can also do it by, like you said, doing it exactly the same way as we do it on the private trusts by putting the ads in the in the local paper and expressing this is now a private members association
4: yeah and thank you very much and before i pass it on back to roy i just want to really speak to people to the audience and to all of us that if i if we think this doesn't work if we just look around us as um peter and all the rest have mentioned there are many Three letter powerful organization that we get scared of, but that's how they got it really like they're in their power is because they're technically PMAs and they're using. So it's up to us to truly know the game and start doing, yeah, mixing it up if that's how it works. It's like a beautiful chess game and even better than chess when the time comes. So thank you for all of this.
1: Oh, no, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just before I wrap up, actually, because you mentioned about putting the car as well into it, do you deregister the car? Because I know somebody in the UK deregistered. Because basically, as you mentioned, we we own nothing. They even by getting a registration, they own it. So when you're putting into a trust, do you deregister the car so that it's in
1: See, it's your own car now This is this is the thing with the cars, right? So or anything that you're going to own, but especially on something like a car, right? And it's not just on the UK, but in the US as well. If you have, you have to get the manufacturer's statement of origin, the MSO. If you have the MSO, then you can own that object. If you haven't got that, you'll never own it. So now like, you've got in the US, you've got the DMV in the UK, you've got like the DVLA, driving license, whatever it's called. They own all of the cars. And then they send out their registration certificates, right? So you that are then called the registered keeper, uh, all it says on there, that says, this is not proof of ownership. It actually says it on the document, really big. And, it, and, and you are the keeper. But it's the keeper's duty to pay the tax, right? Or whatever it is with it. Now, when you, these people say, oh, we've deregistered it, And the right to the DVLA and say, I'm not playing this game anymore, right? The DVLA don't remove the number. They keep that registration number all the time. And you've got also your VIN number, your vehicle identification number, that they keep that tied in as well. I know a lot of people have tried to deregister it and they end up getting the cars crushed. No, I've heard yeah. that after
0: 14 days, and like even like uh, tradespeople, which basically is like cutting off their legs, they can't work no more when they and they crush it, even with all the equipment and everything. In it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, what we do is we actually get the document, the, it's called a V5 in England, so it's just to change the name on it. So, we actually register it, transfer the, the keeper, right? Because it's not the ownership, but, but it's the keeper to the trustee of the private trust. So, again, your name's not on it, so you can't have a bailiff turning up and say, oh, I'm going to clamp your car until you've paid this because that doesn't belong to me. You can't touch it, right? Right? Well, it doesn't belong to you anyway, but they, they still try and clamp it, right? But if it's in the name of the trust, again, it's just protected, so you're, you're not going to let them do it. But... I wouldn't go in the lines of, like, trying to deregister it, trying to write to the D because they don't listen to you anyway. No, I,
0: I, I, it's, and I know people as well. They're trying to use the bond for the insurance instead of normal insurance, and there's a lot of people getting in trouble for this.
1: Yeah, there is, you know, and I know people, like, literally, I know them by name, you know, they've come to see me, and, oh, they've took my car, and I've got two days before it gets crushed. Well, you know, it's like de- trying to deregister it there, right? Unless you can get that MSO, which is going to be extremely difficult because the DVLA in England they, they destroy them all, right? When they get the cars in, so you can't. Have, you, you're going to have to start off with bits of metal and build your own vehicle, literally, and then it will belong to you, and then you don't have to you don't have to tax it and worry about it.
0: Okay. Well,
1: excellent. Listen, Peter, between all, all all of my fellow
0: podcasters, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, you know, you've covered a load of stuff. We definitely need to get you back, as I know we all had way more questions. You know, you're a wealth of knowledge. And I just encourage people to check out your website, claimyourstrawman.com. And thank you very much for being on the show.
1: Bye, right, more than welcome. Thank you very much for help,
0: having me.